BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We got a kind of a funny yeah. mix of news it's right like now. Summer's over, but fall hasn't quite started. News. Yeah, it's it's funny because my you know my kids start school tomorrow, and I so I kind of feel like in this limbo. Like we just had Labor Day, and so this is supposed to be like an, the actual year, right. not That's the summer, so just but it two doesn't days. quite feel like doesn't quite feel like it's 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 the real yeah. year yet. Yeah, I don't know. Even even the pace here at at TPM feels like a little like we're still kind of in summer maybe I don't know yeah we're waiting for yeah we're waiting for the news to return basically yeah well we have a lot of 2020 stuff yeah that's, that's true. sort of coming back yeah. into the into the four it does kind of feel like now that Labor Day has passed the campaign season is sort of officially begun in a way that, right we're that's all the sort of the standard we're thing. kind of yeah. marching towards the Iowa caucuses in February you know it's like the fall is just sort of the runway to that right Right, right. Anyways, joining us, Kate Riga. Hey, everybody. Is this like, this is the first episode where you're already I'm officially part of the team? Now. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's good. And then we also, I, I guess, we also have, we also have new, uh, kind of a little mini, mini redesign of the site. Yes. That went live yesterday, yeah. which is also cool. Yeah, check out the new Because I noticed all of, our, all of our, like, face shots are exactly. up there you on can the see, articles now. See the faces behind the news. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so I, I need to, I need to... Before we get into the news, I need to talk a little about Grady's. And, you know, we're going to... I'm a fan of jazz. And and so this is going to be like an improvisational <laughs> Grady's ad. Show us your riffs. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, so here's the thing. So I have... We have the with the copy uh, from Grady's right now that is about this sort of the wilderness trip Grady's right. and the cold brew kit, which, which I, I have not used the cold brew kit yet. I haven't either. I've, I've used a lot of... Um, Grady's formats personally you know there's yep. the bottles that you see in the in the stores yeah and then here at TPM we get the boxes the sort with, of industrial yes yeah, really <laughs> yeah yeah and then there's also um, uh, my wife and I used to use the bags which are sort of like these it's what it sounds like the kind of big bags of of uh, not not powder grounds, <laughs> grounds right yeah. that you like that bean you, bags that, but yeah, for coffee exactly 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 so there's this other thing and and so there's all these great ways to to that you can use Grady's and it's probably available in your local store in the bottles but this is like very legit because here at TPM we are like serious consumers of Grady's we're just talking about that we just got a new supply <laughs> yeah. so there's like we have one refrigerator there's basically like 10 humongous it's boxes at, of Grady's it's basically at capacity and yeah. I already yeah. had a haul one all the way home on the subway so nice. that's you're the welcome top. everybody and so that, that's the thing because like I guess sometimes we have we have so much Grady's here that we can't that we get a, like a temporary <laughs> oversupply yeah. and we have to like give it out to to staffers for their for their for their home yeah. needs but basically, I mean, everybody, the whole organization at this point runs on Grady's, basically. Yeah, Everybody's having Grady's. And Two yeah. out of the three of us in this podcast studio right now are drinking Grady's. So, Kate, I don't know if you didn't get the memo or something. <laughs> yeah, but what's the, are there any holdouts? Are there any non-Grady's holdouts? So I'm not to, sure we should say it officially. Well, I have were, to make a confession. Sometimes were. on the way to work, I do buy a coffee that's not Grady's. Yeah, but, it's best not to speak yeah. about that. <laughs> well, anyway, sometimes. here's the thing. We are all big fans of Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee here at TPM, and you can you can buy it at your at your at your local uh, supermarket or you know various places lo- lo- local. But you can also get it shipped to you, and shipping is free. Grady's Cold Brew is independently owned and operated in New York City since 2011. If you're ready to give it a swirl, you can actually get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. It's great stuff. We all love it. Yes. And uh, if if you are a TPM reader, you're like indirectly consuming Grady's. <laughs> yes. since it's like the intellectual firepower. You get a little caffeine TPM. residual. Yeah, exactly. Something. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. All right, so what are we, what are we talking so, about? So lots of 2020 news coming up. Wanted to chat with you guys about. So next week we have 
the next Democratic presidential debate. This is only a one-night affair this time. We've always had two nights split with, you know, various like candidates. Yeah, yeah, 10 and 10. Right. It's ABC News, I think, is hosting. Is that right, Kate? Mm-hmm. So it's Thursday, September 12th. It's going to be from like 8 to 11 p.m. So it's going to be a longer format than we've seen. Uh, and this is the first time we'll have all the candidates on, you know, the major candidates on stage at the same time. In the past, we've had Sanders and Warren on one night. We've had Biden and like Buttigieg and others kind of on other nights. And so this is the first time we'll see and them all in one And this is just because place. enough of them have been booted now. They haven't met the... The criteria right. for this debate was a bit higher. The polling requirements, the number of donors, things like that. Doubled so, from the first debate. Right. And, and the key one was that you needed to have a number of polls where you were at 2% or above. Was that... Was that was that was the key? I think because didn't some of them like they got to the donor amount, but they yep. could not get to exactly. the mm-hmm. to the two percent amount. Exactly. Yeah, right, I mean, so it's down to Tom 10 Steyer now. was only missing one poll, so he got there ninety uh, percent of the way. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, it is rough. Yeah. Is he gonna? Is he gonna keep? Tr- do we know? Is he gonna keep trying? Because he hasn't dropped out, has he? No, no, he hasn't. And you know, I assume he has enough money to basically yeah, keep going as long as he I mean, wants I think to. He right. Spent, like, $12 million, so obviously a huge amount of money right. to spend in like six weeks, but I mean, right. I think he's he's a billionaire, so yeah. that's like... Pocket change? Yeah, that's that's yeah. nothing. That's, that's I mean, totally he's not even the, he's not even the only one who missed the debate stage and is still not bowing out, right? You have Tulsi Gabbard, right. who's doing that. What, I'm sure John f- Delaney a few. campaigning Delaney, forever. Yeah. yeah, isn't there... And Yang squeaked by, right? He'll be in he's the in debate. It. Yeah. Now, is he the only... There, there, are, there, are, there are a number of them that are, you know, people who kind of we don't consider like serious candidates, mm-hmm. but that are in there and have been in the debates. I feel like is he the only one of those who's like not an elective office? Yeah, has never, uh, you know, there's a bunch of people who are either former elect electeds mm-hmm. or current electeds who are always at zero. So other he, than Tom Steyer, I think that's right. Well, you got right. Marianne, of course, who... Right. Well, oh, she made it, too? No, she's no, not no. in the debate, but she's still, she's oh, still oh. going. Oh, Well, there was this... You guys saw this thing about the Bahamas this morning? Did yeah. you yeah. see this? The tweet about... Wasn't the, that using positive thinking to turn back the storm or something? Yeah, she deleted yeah. the tweet, apparently. <laughs> what, I don't, what I don't get is... All right. People believe all sorts of weird things that they don't talk about because they either know they're crazy or that people don't agree and, okay, whatever. Especially if you're if you're a politician, if you're running for office, whatever. Um, but I don't get how you would tweet that. Like, if you're going to tweet that, you're like, you know what? This is what I believe, and this is what this is my angle, and I'm just going to go with it. Okay. Like, all right. Like, fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't get how, like, did you not realize that people would think, like, you know what? A, that's not true. And it's really kind of ill-timed, because <laughs> yeah. those people in Bahamas I are mean, really kind of fucked right the now. The storm, right. And, and blaming this, it on them for yeah. not having enough positive thoughts exactly. is really kind of rough. And the storm has been moving so slowly, just creeping towards... That it's just sitting these, on the Bahamas, yeah. basically. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know... I don't, I don't think Marianne thinks in terms of political backlash. She's but, more, she, but she deleted it, is the thing. So why does she delete it? Then? I don't I mean, same thing with her, her vaccination nuttiness. That has never been fully... Kind of explained, but is she, but the doesn't the vaccination stuff isn't it all kind of pre-campaign that she's had to explain kind during of, the campaign? But I don't, yeah. I've never heard her. I don't know, and maybe I've missed something, but I haven't heard her really conclusively for once and for all shut that down and right. be like, I was right. wrong. Mm-hmm. It's scientific, you know. You can't will the disease. It's away. not like it's come right. up on in, in any of the debates or anything like that. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I mean, I think that's right, but I'm just thinking that basically, you know, largely she's dealing with that she said stuff before right. she was in a campaign where kind of like, whatever, doesn't matter what you say, you can say anything you want. And then she now she's having to kind of deal with it in a political context. But this is a case where she's running and she says, <laughs> says this. So right. I just don't get that. Yeah, yeah. I don't get the... I, I, you either you either don't do it or you do it, but you don't do it and think like, oh man, I really misjudged the reaction to that one. Right. Turns out that did not go over well. It just does. I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get the logic. So Josh, there's been some news around Biden and kind of Biden adjacent candidates. You had a post that went up just a few minutes before we came into the studio to record, kind of looking at the polling picture and how it's shifted recently. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you've been seeing out there? Well, so... You know, I, I've had a number of posts over the last several months kind of basically saying, 
Biden is stronger than you think. He's not just going to go away, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people have interpreted that as like, I'm for Biden. That's not really the case. It's it's what it really is, is that in the in the general election horse race polls, he consistently does better than every other Democratic candidate. I mean, it is it is. And so those polls ask the question, basically, if the election were held today, who would you vote for? Is that right? That's in the general election. Yeah, that's basically yeah, the construction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they're not they're not primary polls. And people think rightly that in the primary polls, you're dealing with this mix of true preference, like if I were in charge, I'd like this person to be the nominee, and your perceptions of who's the of who is going to, who's strongest, who's simply going to win the primary. So there's all these kind of overlapping things, but in in general election polling, those don't really mean anything because what you're really talking about is the preferences of people who could be voting for either party. So those people, the people who may actually vote Republican, aren't trying to pick a Democrat who will win. That makes no sense at all. So those those general election numbers, it's early, blah, 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 but they're very, very consistent. And I think they they uh, mean something. And what they mean is, is, is that Biden can just pull together a, a slightly but significantly larger coalition. But you've had these two new polls out, one that was well, one's actually a couple weeks old now, the Fox poll, and then a Quinnipiac poll that I think came out Thursday or Friday, both of which, especially the Quinnipiac poll, show the same basic pattern that, that Biden is doing best, but you have Warren and Harris and even Buttigieg basically all beating Trump by about 10 percentage points, which is obviously a, a big, lot, yeah. big lead. That's outside so the that's, margin of yeah, error, so for that's, sure. That's, that's different, because what you had before was, you know, Biden pretty by a pretty big margin beating Trump, and then the others all, like, tying him. Maybe Sanders a couple points ahead. Sanders usually between, kind of, there's the pack, which is, you know, either tied with Trump or maybe two or three points ahead of Trump, and then Biden, like, tw- you know, 10 or 12 points ahead of Trump, then then Sanders in the middle. And um, uh, to me, at least, and I think for a lot of Democrats, that is, that's just a really big deal because, you know, 50-50 is just not, or kind of like, you know, they might win, is just not good enough, is not, that's, it's too much is on the line. And I think that that has, uh, that has sustained, there's no question to me that that has sustained a lot of Biden's strength, that he can either implicitly or explicitly say, look, I can get this done. I can beat him. These other people it's not clear they can beat Trump, and we know how important that is. So that's just been huge. But that seems to be changing. And it's not that Biden's getting weaker vis-a-vis Trump. If anything, he's getting stronger. But the others are, are getting up into that, you know, beating Trump by, you know, something in the neighborhood of like 50 to 40, which is that's a big difference. Right. What, do we, what do we attribute to that, the gain among the other candidates? I mean, I guess we've seen Warren in places like Minnesota have 12,000 plus supporters come out and we've had news recently of you know economic numbers sort of showing that the economy is softening a bit do we feel like that kind of explains it or what what explains trump kind of losing ground to the other candidates part of me wonders if how much this is affected just by it is still far out it's hard for people to conceive of a head-to-head matchup when there are so many months in between now and then so you know, I kind of think maybe people are in a primary headspace right now, which can, you know, you have more latitude to be like, well, I really like Elizabeth Warren, even if you don't necessarily think that she's the best candidate to take on Trump head to head, because there's there's still time to have favorites in the mm-hmm, pack. Right. Mm-hmm, the stakes mm-hmm. are lower today. Exactly. than yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of Democrats are coming at this with some measure of you can have a pet favorite. But when push comes to shove, if Biden is, mm-hmm. you know, if Biden wins, they're not going to be like, well, I wanted Harris. You know, right. I think they can, as we've spoken about for a lot of Democrats, beating Trump is more important than who the Democrat is, you know. So I think we are at a, an earlier enough point in the, the horse race where people are being less shy about those personal preferences, mm-hmm. maybe. Just because I know you can, you know, there's the, the gaffe stuff that you could point out maybe. But I just, I just don't see that as something that would lose him ground about Biden you mean yeah yeah I I, I don't either I mean I, I think 
it's it's demonstrably the case that it's not because we've had a lot of gaps <laughs> right. already, yeah. and it is it is again demonstrably just not mattered. Right. I mean, you know, one of the the people who uh, basically have have downplayed the importance of these polls have said, look, Biden's well known. He's sort of credentialed by Obama. So he just has an inherent advantage. And you need to wait for those other people to catch up to become more well-known. Yeah. And in some ways, this seems to confirm or at least lend weight to that theory. And it's not just a theory. Clearly, that is the case to to a real extent. It's just how much of an extent. Um, and But the an, an interesting thing is in these new polls, it's not that Trump is doing worse. He's been stuck around 40% in all of these polls for a really long time. It's just that, a, 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 you know, 7 or 8% of the people who are undecided not committing with people like Harris and Warren and Buttigieg and to a lesser extent uh, Sanders, because he was already doing a little better, have moved over in the, in the Democratic direction. Um, and it's hard to say which of those it is. I mean, I think Trump has just been on a tear for the last month. He's been acting crazier than usual, and that's sh- that's shown up a bit in his in his approval numbers. Uh, and we've we've I think in the, I think in the Quinnipiac poll, it was the first time during his presidency where where either a majority or plurality of people said they think the economy's doing worse. And that's obviously going to I mean, I've right. always thought the only reason that his numbers are even remotely where they are is that he's had a strong economy through his whole presidency. Even if it's not his doing, president just gets... You yeah, know, they get the credit, credit or that. the blame. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here's my question on that, though, is that makes sense to me, the kind of conventional wisdom that strong economy incumbent has really good odds. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you make of the stories of... And these aren't isolated incidents, but of farmers or factory workers who can trace their job loss directly to Trump's actions or tariff Mm -hmm. wars or Mm -hmm. whatnot, and who seem, you know, unflappable. You know, they still are kind of like standing by him. I I think the, the, you know, there is this conventional wisdom about the economy, and it is true as far as it goes, you know, basically... A, an incumbent in it with a bad economy has a really hard time getting elected, and with a strong economy, you know, they have very strong odds behind them. The problem with that conventional wisdom is that it, it makes sense in the context of what we might call a normal presidency. You know, where someone who's basically operating within, I mean, basically just acting normally, right? But also, there are, some, there are some really basic things about U.S. politics that in U.S. politics, for a number of different reasons, kind of wherever a president is on the ideological spectrum, they are trying to build, to, to come into office and expand their coalition once they're in office. Trump has never tried to do that. He, he has been entirely about trying to rev up a, a minority of the population, whether it's 40% or 45% or 35% doing that. So... There's a lot of ways that beyond just sort of trash talk, we can say Trump is not a normal president. And so that economy thing only really has an effect in that case. Uh, and, and again, I think, I, think this is, I think this is really demonstrably the case. You know, so, so you, what you're, again, what you're really talking about are people with, without sort of strong ideological convictions in, this, in, the, in, the, in the center of the electorate. Uh, and you know, the, the other way to look at it with Trump is there's really no president in modern history who has consistently been so unpopular with a thriving economy. So clearly he, he's already breaking the mold. Right. And so I think if you, if the economy starts to go bad, you're going to, he's, you know, the bottom is really going to fall out for him. And in certain ways, the bottom's already out. I mean, you know, you see, you see these numbers and it's really weird. I saw I saw Nate Silver saying something a, a couple weeks ago. How over the previous month or two, that sort of conventional wisdom in Washington had trended towards Trump's the favorite for re-election. And his point was, well, okay, you know that may maybe he's the favorite. He's the incumbent. Blah 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 blah. But nothing's changed that makes him stronger now in the summer of 2019 than he was in the spring. Um, but you really have this thing about every possible contender is beating him by 
big margins. He can't really get over 40% or so uh, public approval. If, if, if you didn't come into this with the sort of the 2016 screen and all of the, you know, weird uh, DC conventional wisdom stuff, you'd sort of say, this dude's toast. He, he's, he's in a terrible position. Right. I think, and, and a lot of we, he is. That's the reality. It's a good point. I mean, everyone, I think, is anxious to make a prediction, right? You don't want to say Trump's odds are so low and then obviously be wrong because there was a lot of that in 2016. I mean, I, if the economy goes in a worse direction as the businessman president, obviously that's a terrible situation for him to be in. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it's unquestionably the case that that most people just did not think it was possible for him to win in 2016. He did, and that makes everybody question any sort of sense, like, oh, can't, you can't win. And, and they're right to. Incumbent presidents tend to you know, consistently yeah. win re-election. Right. That's just, that's a very strong pattern. Um, so I'm not saying it's like, it's, it's, it's over. He has like these strong electoral college uh, advantages. But I, but I also don't think we should, you know, ignore the reality that, it's an uphill, it's an uphill climb. Right. There's no question about right. it. So we were talking about Biden's gaffes brief. We should address a story he's been telling on the campaign trail that more or less concerned like an award ceremony in the White House about a Afghanistan veteran who wanted to refuse recognition for his valor because his, you know, one of his comrades was killed in a, in a fire or a crash or something. Um, it turns out the story Biden was telling was kind of like a composite of a few different stories over the years, some involving, you know, a medal Obama gave to someone, other stories he had heard, basically. Uh, the Washington Post got this scoop, I think it was maybe a week or two ago. Like a week ago, I think. Yeah, yes. calling into question a lot of the basic facts of what Biden has been saying. Uh, Biden himself has been defending himself against kind of charges of, are you lying or making things up or whatever. Um, Josh, you've been writing about this a little bit. What's What's been your take on this whole situation? You know, I, I found the, th the whole thing kind of overdone. Um, and when I have a judgment like that, I always try to kind of, you know, I think everybody does have, a, have an internal conversation with, with themselves about, all right, is, is this just because this is someone who I'm generally favorably inclined to? I don't want to think the best of them, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I, don't th I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have the same opinion Kind of regardless of the of of of, of who it was, uh, you know, if you read that post article, there are basically three separate stories, each of which are kind of thematically similar. Uh, someone in the military acts with great bravery, is commended through some you know uh, bronze star, silver star, medal of honor, blah 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 blah, but someone who he was trying to save died, and so. That person either doesn't want the award or has or feels sort of like a you know what we'd call survivor's guilt about right. getting the award, blah 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 blah. And and the the central story that he seems to be talking about actually happened in Afghanistan. He goes to Afghanistan. Uh, there's this guy who has just run into a burning vehicle to save his friend. He gets there. The guy's already dead. Um, He's he's given uh, awarded a bronze star for 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 bravery for heroism, so Biden and a few other senators are kind of on a visit. So hey Biden, you know why don't you give this guy, uh, you know pin the bronze star on him, and they're up close as you have to be when you're you know kind of putting a, a pendant on 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 someone, and and the guy I want to say a kid twenty right. you know early twenty something like that says something like I don't want it. You know, because he died. The guy I was trying to save died. And then Biden seems to have... Th then there's another story of, like, Obama giving someone a... Uh, you know, uh, awarding someone a Medal of Honor at the White House. And so, and yet some third story. And as Biden has told this story, in various times over the last decade, he... There's, like, each time there's, like, a mix of, like, a, like a, a, what is, you know, like a pastiche right. of, like, you know, sometimes it's, it's this serve, you know, and it's, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, almost, you know, kind of, a, I don't know, not like a Mad Lib, but, I mean, I, you know, I feel bad being so jocular about such a serious topic. But, but the point being, he's conflated in his mind, seemingly, uh, a, a number of these stories. And the way the Post played it as, ah, you know, 
Biden also a fabricator, right? Just like Trump. And what is Biden gonna? You know, Biden needs to come clean yeah. about this. And to me, the stories are not about Biden's heroism, right? He's so they're not, not taking credit for yeah, their. They're not taking credit for for it. And these are actually all things that happened, right? So in my mind, and and at a certain level, I mean, Biden is just Biden. He's kind of one of these yarn type of guys, right? Ah, this story. Let me tell you this story that I once heard. And kind of like, you know, it's it's the narrative is a little more important than the details. Right. Let's put it that way, maybe for 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 Biden. Um, but what it really comes down to, in my mind, is is like, is there is there malevolence here? Is 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 he trying to like attack someone by saying something that's not true or or fool people? Like, not really. Yeah. So it's not it's not great. It's a little embarrassing. And I do think like something like like I don't think that happened with Obama, right? You're just not going to have that happen. He's too precise. Yeah, he's right? just too precise. He's different. He's a, just a different person. Yeah. Um, but on the question of, you know, so then the post, uh, Jonathan Capehart, who I love, who has a, who has one of the sort of the signature podcasts for the post, interviewed Biden, and I'm not putting this on on Jonathan, but I think the structure there is like okay, you know sort of like a come to Jesus thing here. Like you, you really screwed up and now you got to kind of, you know, admit it. Or yeah. Admit, <laughs> admit your, your wrongdoing here. And Biden's response is like, what's the problem? Like I was telling this one guy's story and I'm not sure exactly the quotes, but kind of like, he's basically like, what's the problem? Right. Like what, what is your problem? Um, and I do think Certainly politically, that is the right way to respond because the way these things go, there's there's this pattern, and I've been around long enough to see I've seen this in multiple cycles, that you find something with the with the Democrat, and Democrats respond differently to these kind of things, and what you'll get is the Democrats are like, okay, yeah, you're right, I, I, I do the, and then it's just like a thing, right, and that you validated it, and sort of like the rest of the whole cycle is because because the thing is. Biden's not going to change. And maybe that's a good reason that he shouldn't be the nominee. Like, because he's that guy. And he's also 76 years old. He's not going to stop being that guy. So, again, to me, you, it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know what? I prefer Elizabeth Warren. I prefer this person. prefer prefer that person. But certainly for him, he should just say, like, you know what? I'm not trying to fool anybody. I wasn't, like like attacking anybody and and the reality is whether this whether it was a, a a burning vehicle or kind of rappelling down a cliff it's not really it, it, it does not really matter and and to me frankly i don't care i really i really could not care less and i'm not it's not that i think he's you know i'd rather vote for obama again and a lot of people i'd rather vote for again but kind of like you know like okay i i think uh, I think he can beat Trump and I think he'd be decent and that's kind of pretty good for me. And so like, do I care? Is this like, is this another post-truth? Like, come on, give me a break. Right. I kind of, yeah, I have two thoughts on it and one of them is kind of what you were saying about how the Democrats do the falling on their sword becomes the narrative. I mean, there are just like so many echoes of kind of the Hillary emails. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, about the Biden gaffe thing, right? That's like, Honestly, I think most people wouldn't care. I don't think most people cared about her private server. And it's like, I think the gaffes, like the emails, do they provide some insight to these people? Yes. You know, for Hillary, it showed that she was secretive and private and maybe distrustful, whether or not she had reason to be. And then, you know, with Biden, you find that he is... You know, he's a well-meaning blowhard. He likes to talk. He likes being a center of attention. And, you know, uh, he likes... emotional relating to people. So this all, you know, feeds into his thing as well. But it's just Biden's biggest strength, I think, is that people find him authentic and genuinely likable. And that the other side of that coin is that he's got his foot in his mouth a lot or he conflates stories. I just don't think for most people that's going to be like, oh, my God, oh, no, because it's like, well, yeah, we knew this about him. Right, you know? right. and, and all, I, I do think, too, and this is, again, this is something that is uh, characterological, sociological about the different um, political factions in the United States, that um, Democrats as a group react differently than Republicans do to these things. And as, as, as you say, like with Hillary kind of saying, okay, you're right. 
I shouldn't have done that. And then every single thing is through. Then it then it's this. Right. Like, then her apology becomes the next story, and so on. And that so on. and kind of every different thing. Well, it turns out like you know. Back in the 90s, you had an AOL account, and we hear this, and it's just, right. you know, and, and, and again, with sort of what you say, Kate, is exactly right. This is who Biden is. No one can, I mean, we've already seen he's saying he, he's like misremembering this and conflating that. We've had a million of these things, or kind of saying, you know, he had this thing where, you know, sometimes the gaffes are just like, like, dude, what are you talking, like, that makes no sense. Sometimes they have some sort of you know, ideological or gendered, you know, there's all sorts of stuff, but that's just kind of who the guy is. And, you know, there was a, an article in the new Republic a few months ago that was really good that, that made the point that this is Biden's thing, kind of the touchstone. It's really always been the touchstone of his political life is suffering grief. I mean, literally from the beginning of his political career, he was elected to to the Senate and then his wife, his wife and his daughter were killed in this auto accident. His two sons were severely injured. So like, and, and for, for, I think for anyone, particularly anyone who is, who is, is married and have children, you can't even imagine even getting up the next day. And yet he did it. And, and obviously his, his son died very young a few years ago. So grief is this touchstone for Biden about just life and political experience. Um, even his Catholicism kind of comes in as, as, as part of that. And it's totally reasonable to say that, you know what? Elizabeth Warren has this great um, program for political change in this country. And sort of like, I don't really care about Biden and his grief and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, I think the vast majority of people realize that is totally him. That's not like a put on thing and maybe it's irrelevant to our politics, but that's who he is. Right. And so, and kind of like with this, the, you can, you can, and again, that's why I just think that was the right way to respond, not to kind of get into this kind of media narrative. Um, and even, even, you know, I had a friend of mine kind of said something to me, uh, said, said something on Twitter, but directed at me yesterday, how, you know, this is how it happens. Starts with Trump. And now we're kind of making the same excuses for Biden. I'm like, dude, no, it's not. I do wonder no, if there, speaking of that, I wonder if there's like a media angle to this too. In that, I mean, the Washington Post fact checker section has said that since Trump got into office, he's made something like more than 12,000 false or misleading <laughs> statements. And I think, okay, what you're saying about the Hillary email scandal kind of plays into this too, in that these major newspapers, nonpartisan, kind of just objective news institutions, they don't want to feel like they're picking sides one way or the other. So it's like, all right, Trump lies all the time, is has problems telling the truth, makes up stories such as, you know, Muslims applauding the Twin Towers being struck after 9-11 and so on, that, oh, if we have this kind of Biden nugget, that's that's a way we can sort of show we're not we're not rooting for either side here. And so that's a it's a way for them to kind of just demonstrate we're not going to take it easy on right. one Democrat or the other, you know? I think all, I, yeah, I mean, I think Democrats in general love to self-flagellate, honestly. It's like you pick out, like, Biden is flawed. No one's saying he's not. But you could never say that he's demonstrating maliciousness on Trump's level at all. These lo- or these uh, gaffes don't show that. I mean, it's, no reasonable person would think that this article is on par with anything that Trump has done, you know? But it's this weird kind of overcorrection that Democrats love to do where we're like, look at how kind of pure, good, moral people we are. Like we will sacrifice one of our own if he or she is not perfect, which is just political suicide to me. Well, and also, you know, there's, you know, you mentioned this point about fact checking. There's this kind of didn't get as much attention, but controversy with Sanders uh, a few days ago, uh, the guy who does the 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 fact checking column for the Post, whose name escapes Glenn me, Glenn Kessler, yeah, Glenn yeah. Kessler, um, had this thing, and he gave. This has happened a few times with Sanders now, and it's happened with other Democrats too, where Sanders says something that is true, just true, or at least something that there are peer-reviewed real studies that say X, and he says X. And maybe there's another study that says, well, maybe X is more complicated. But at that point, you were into a very different, 
you know, standard of accuracy. In any case, so Sanders, you know, on one of his stump speeches, basically saying something like, you know, 50% of the bankruptcies, and I'm here, I'm just, I think it's 50, but again, I'm, <laughs> I'm don't not. Don't fact check Yeah, you. don't fact check <laughs> me over this. X percent of bankruptcies are due to, uh, you know, medical costs. Okay. And there are several studies that say this is true. Now, it gets into, well, is it you you just had medical bills and you couldn't pay the medical bills, so you had to file bankruptcy? Or were there a series of reasons and, and, and medical bills were a major part of it? So Kessler makes this thing where basically gives him three Pinocchios, which again, what that sounds like is you're a big fucking liar. Mm-hmm. You totally lied about this. Well, not really, because again, there are peer-reviewed real studies that Sanders was quoting from. And Sanders, or actually David Sirota, who's one of, who's like Sanders' speechwriter, who I, who I dunk on all the time for totally unrelated <laughs> reasons, pointed out that the post that actually cited this study as a fact in some other thing mm-hmm. or whatever. So, and what you see here, I think, is that the media writ large, certainly the corporate media, which sort of needs to, to have purchase on people across the ideological spectrum, has a great need to equalize things, at least to some degree. And so if you have a president, if you have the leader of one political party who is just a degenerate liar, who lies constantly about silly things, about malicious things, to get his way, you know, just in every kind of lying, there's this great, you know, you don't want to be, as the Washington Post, kind of saying, yeah, one side is run by a humongous liar. And... That's just how it is. You want to be able to say, well, kind of, you know, there's a yeah, little, everything on both sides. That's what I was trying to yeah, say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And but here, but that was a case where, and again, I've seen this from the post a lot recently, where th- there was actually another thing by Sanders where they called him out. Where it was, it was something like, um, it was something like, uh, you know, the the ten richest people in the United States have a bigger, uh, you know, have a higher net worth than like the bottom 90%, something like that. And in fact, this is true. Again, <laughs> put X's and Y's into the exact numbers there, but a, a jarring number. And part of that is because a lot of people have negative net worth, right? And so the uh, same guy, Glenn, Glenn Kessler, gave him, you know, three or four Pinocchios, but it was because it was even more like it, like say that these guys have you know uh, a trillion net worth and the the bottom whatever percent has 750 billion net worth that it was false because it wasn't the same it was even more yeah. and then they had the secondary point that was like and even though it's it's just a silly comparison well what like yeah. so it's just, it just kind of offended his sensibility it was true but because it offended his sensibilities yeah. it was so you, you you have this this is I a, do think a constant thing especially the times in the post are sensitive to perceptions of liberal bias they don't want to be seen you know i think it's everyone basically assumes and understands that probably the majority of the reporters and editorial staff at those places lean to the left a lot of these are major metropolitan areas new york and dc very democratic strongholds and so i don't think it's a direct response to trump tweeting about the amazon washington post and all this stuff day after day but you could see kind of a case where yeah in the newsroom they're kind of thinking to themselves well no that's not true like look we're doing these stories about you know about the left as well Mm -hmm. which is just so insane on his face like just to bring it back to what we were talking about is that you know biden messed up an anecdote about soldiers that he's met Trump prefaces half of his lies with so-and-so told me, everyone saying, blah, right. blah, blah. And to be, honestly, to begin with, these kind of anecdotal campaign things, I've always found to be treacly and just unattractive, kind of, because all of them are exploiting the emotional right. stories. It's like you don't tell a story as part of your stump speech unless it's a sympathetic figure a poor single mom or a an ill family member exactly it's just so you know he's doing the practice that everyone does where you are amplifying someone's story because it bolsters your claim to the throne in some kind of way and we're i mean 
I don't know. And then just picking that apart in the face of someone who makes up anecdotes. He doesn't even bother to find a real person. You know, it's just like, why? What is this exercise for? You know? Well, and there's also, again, the thing with Trump is not that, well, the thing with Trump is not just or mainly that he makes things up. He makes things up to attack groups of people with things that are false. And he makes things up to denigrate people he thinks are his enemies. So there is almost always a a malice, an aggression, a damage behind his lies. And that is that that is really what is what is important. I'm not saying it's not important to kind of just have your facts right in a general sense. Like I said, it is I don't think you'd ever having have someone like Barack Obama, just different guy, just different kind of brain, different kind of character. Um, younger. <laughs> well, yeah, younger. But frankly, the thing <laughs> is with Biden is that, again, his best defense all, against all of these suggestions that he is, you know, getting fuzzy in his old age is that he was like this when he was in his 40s. Right. right? He's just like this. Right. So anyway, anyway. before we part ways, uh, we should touch on one other story that's that's kind of been in the news this week, which is Vice President Mike Pence's trip to uh, Ireland. This comes after he was in Hungary, sent in Trump's place, you know, while Trump was golfing as the hurricane approached the U.S. Anyway. Was Trump going to, was, was, was the Ireland trip, like, was Trump supposed to be there too? I'm not was sure that if he part was supposed of, to go. Okay. I, don't, I don't think so. Tied but I think the it Poland just kind trip of, yeah. in some way? Okay. Wasn't okay. he... Uh, skipping some kind of memorial World War II maybe because he said he had to monitor the hurricane from the United well, States. Well, that was the thing. He was supposed to, Trump was supposed to go to Poland. Oh, I gotcha. And, and, and uh, Pence went in his place. Right. And so I wasn't clear whether the trip to Ireland oh, was, was part connected. of the same okay. kind of filling in right. or not or whether that was always going to be Pence. Yeah. So he's there for two days of meetings. They're happening in Dublin. And where does Pence decide to stay? But in Dunebeg, which is about... Uh, I guess 150 miles as far as, you know, if you're flying a straight line from one to the other from Dublin, it's like Baltimore to New York, basically, <laughs> right? If you're having business meetings in one or the other. Just so happens Trump has a resort in Dunebag. And Pence, I guess, himself has a distant familial connection there. His cousin, like, owns a bar or something like oh, that. Oh, I didn't even know. I thought it was just the great-great-grandmother is from, like, you know, outer Dunebag or right. something yeah. like that. And I guess Pence had said... He had stayed there before Trump acquired the property, this and that. Anyways, this kind of turned into a whole, you know, just typical kind of lining Trump's pockets type story this week with Mark Short, the vice president's chief of staff, saying, I don't think the White House ordered anyone to stay there. It was more like a suggestion, (laughs) right? And then Pence comes out and says, you know, it has nothing to do with Trump owning this property. Like I said, the familial connection, this and that. Uh, And then last night, there was yet another statement from the vice president's office wanting to clear up some misreporting, which basically came from the vice president's office itself. I don't know. It's a big mess. What did you what did you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean, I thought everything about this Ireland trip was kind of a mess to me. I think the misreporting thing that you hammered on was just so funny because it's like these were direct quotes from your chief of staff. You know, everyone had the the same on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And also Mark Short's grand defense being oh well it was just it was a suggestion it's like right, right, oh right. okay that's fine then so he would, he just suggested <laughs> right. that we he know. should use the office to enrich the president well and just just for everybody who who hasn't uh, seen this story uh, Josh Kovensky one of our colleagues had a had a, a kind of a a funny but but telling piece where he compared the distance between these two places to things in the United States you know it's like what is it like 150 miles so the idea and and this is like you know, you're in, th- this is like, okay, you got meetings in New York yeah. and like you're staying in Boston and each morning you're flying into New I mean, it's <laughs> right. just, it's ridiculous. I have and, a few, I have a few of the okay, examples Okay, yeah, tell us, tell us some of those. So, it w- these are kind of, yeah, equidistance trips basically from what Pence was traveling between Dunebag and Dublin. One is from New York City where we're recording this now to uh, Synecdoche, New York, which is like way upstate, yeah, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Another is from Norfolk, Virginia, which is like Southern Virginia, Virginia Beach yeah, area, yeah. to Washington, D.C. Not exactly like neighboring communities. Uh, another is from Chicago to Fort Wayne. 
Yeah, I mean, there are places that like it is not it's like, like Portland to Seattle. Yeah, yeah it's not exactly. the other side of the country, but it's like an ins- it's if you're staying at a place, it's not. And that, didn't they first had a thing? Well, d- the Dunebeg Resort has is 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 well set up for mm-hmm. the security needs. Right. <laughs> like, do what? Like, yeah. like because Dublin is not like. It's not a war-torn. Well, it's also war- not a <laughs> tiny. It's, yeah, exactly. it's like a it's like a real international city. Right. So they've got hotels there. I'm pretty sure, right? I think I, I remember from one. something or some J- James <laughs> Joyce novel <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I read. Well, and it's just so it's so shocking that the you know he's willing to do the inconvenient corruption you know over the convenient right. ethical thing to do. Well, did you? There was also this thing where. I don't know if that guy, there's a, there's a guy who is somehow in the White House press office, but did this tweet saying, oh, everybody says Mike Pence is anti-gay, yep. but here he is meeting with the with the prime minister of Ireland who's right. gay. So and clearly, his, and his male partner. And his, and his I don't know if it's hus- his husband or his yeah. partner or whatever. Um, but there's sort of an example like, wow, that would be pretty. That would be a pretty big deal if you refuse to meet with the head of government yeah, because really. he's gay. Right. Like that would. That's a pretty. That's a pretty. I mean, it's just yeah. And yeah, like and you know any missive coming from your spokesperson that's like to all of the many who think he's anti-gay. Right. Like, well, the, the weird thing too is is that it it's a maybe this is like one of those things like what's that line the 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 honor that that vice pays to virtue it is. Uh, does Mike Pence even deny being anti-gay? I mean, that is his like his 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 brand mm-hmm. that he's that he is right. you know. But that's sort of it's sort of an example I of don't kind know of if he would use those words. Well, exactly that's right. that's the thing is that is that the the evolution of of attitudes towards. Uh, gay people towards homosexuality has has evolved so much that even people who have made their brand being anti-gay won't say they're anti-gay. They say, "Well, I'm not anti-gay. Right. I just, they you know, just I don't think there should the be gay marriage." Yeah, right. all all this all this kind of stuff. But it but it was just also like um, just just the weirdness of 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 the Trump era and the Trump White House. Like that would be that would be a line I would expect from like a kind of a throwaway article in Breitbart, mm-hmm. right? Just something like like so dumb and 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 so ridiculous but here it's like you know the actual like white house right. press office yep. like putting this the out the blue check mark verified yeah counts. i mean yeah. also just on top of everything else that's weird and dumb is that pence had met with the prime minister and his partner before in, Was- in washington the, i want to say yeah, right? he hosted him at the at his the residence naval, the naval yeah, yeah so. it's also that like as little as i think of mike pence i don't think he's so hostile towards gay people that he's literally going to cause like an international incident right, right. and not meet with a head of <laughs> with an head of government. I mean, and since when does sitting in the same room with someone prove you're not bigoted against them? The the premise, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is, it is yeah. ridiculous. Anyways, yeah, that comes after Attorney General Bill Barr announced he was holding the DOJ's holiday party at the Trump Hotel in D.C. So anyways, good times all around. And yeah, it's G7, right? The, well, haven't they, haven't they backed like They've backed away from it, but it hasn't exactly been ruled out yet. Yeah. This is always this is always the thing. You know, I was I was on uh, I was on the Chris Hayes show a few days ago, and um, Fahrenheit was on before me. So they were talking about uh, you know how the Trump organization is is is, is doing um, while he's president, and there's a lot of details they don't have, but. In a lot of cases, it seems pretty poorly, right? Because uh, largely, um, it, because this whole thing has been very brand damaging. Yeah, everybody I mean, hates so Trump. many of the hotels and apartment buildings have taken down the Trump name from the or outside of their buildings, or they're just uh, you know kind of you know with the hotels not not having enough people staying mm. at them. He he, I, I guess that uh, some internal. Some executive for one of the Trump hotels said that that thing where the Saudis came and just like, you know, the whole royal Bought family like, like lived, yeah, like yeah. lived in one of the hotels for a few weeks, that made that hotel solvent for the whole year, where wow. it had lost money for the for the rest of the year. What I don't, what I don't get, then uh, this is kind of an abiding thing with Trump, is that he is so venally corrupt that he doesn't even. Um, he can't focus on what should be the greater draw of the corruption of power, 
right? Because you're president, man. Are you really? Do you really need like Mike Pence to do this ridiculous? It's like thing? what you were saying with the Putin, you know, relationship last week. Just we were kind of wondering why is he so kind of why does he continue to suck up to Putin after all this time? And yeah, you know, we just, were wondering is it business deals after you leave the office? But it's like. You've already achieved yeah, what only 45 yeah. people have yeah, done in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyways, on that note. Yeah. All right. That's it. So we got to, we, uh, remember we did the, the free form improvisation Grady's cold brew <laughs> advertisement. And we talked about, uh, the various ways you can, you can, the various, I guess, formats, I guess coffees don't have formats. Genres, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Genres <laughs> of coffees. I bet they would call it a format. A format actually. of coffee. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk to Grady about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Grady's cold brew is independently owned and operated in New York city since 2011. If you are ready to give it a swirl, get 20% off your first order at Grady's with promo code TPM. And remember, subscribe to TPM. Yes, please. You should, you should. Uh, absolutely do the right thing and subscribe to Prime which is our uh, subscription service and you get all sorts of amazing things it's how we uh, fund this company and it's awesome and you should really do it and if you really if you really want to drive a hard bargain with us and insist on a discount we even do have a discount <laughs> that is only for uh, Josh Marshall podcast listeners and you can find that at talkingpointsmemo.com slash deal that's 20% off an annual subscription to Prime and uh, definitely give it a try it's what makes our whole operation possible so if you enjoy this podcast if you are a reader of the site uh, definitely join us become part of our team yep that'd be great later bye bye